0: Cuvix. <laughs> Welcome to the Omen Comics Podcast, where we talk about our experiences, influences, and tips on writing comics as the creators of the Omenverse. And as geeks, we often like to celebrate geek holidays, as well as talk about our favorite comics, television shows, and movies, too. I'm your host, Michael Nunley, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-worker, Steve Sellers. Today, me and Steve will be celebrating the 82nd birthday of one of the iconic characters and popular culture. A character that has been listed among the greatest comic book superheroes and fictional characters ever created. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Dark Knight, the Batman.
1: Yeah, Batman is the foundation of the ver- urban vigilante hero, so it's kind of hard to believe it's been this long to get to him, but we've covered a lot of stuff. Um I will say, though, um, I'm more of a fan of the spinoff characters than I am of him, but I really respect Batman for a lot of what he gave us. He, you know, he established so much of what the uh, Urban Vigilante superhero is, and he inspired so many characters like Daredevil and New Knight and so forth.
0: For sure, for sure. I think, uh, I mean, well, I, I, I can agree uh, with, uh, you know, some of his his children, as it were, uh, being, being pretty awesome. I think... Um, Uh, All of them owe a debt to what Batman is for who they are. Yeah. Um, So let's get into a little bit about uh, Batman's early days. Uh, Batman was created in early 1939 by Bob Kane and Bill Finger in an effort to capitalize on the popularity of Superman, which was just going nuts at the time. Uh, well, Finger would not get credit for his contributions until after his death, Kane's original idea for the character was a rather generic Superman ripoff and was nothing like the Batman that ended up in Detective Comics 27 on March 30th, 1939. Uh, it was really the writer, uh, Bill Finger, that flushed out the character, including his look, uh, the story, I mean, even his name, the Bruce Wayne, uh, his alter ego. It was, it was all from Finger.
1: Yeah, this is what we call being given the Finger.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> Bill Finger really was shafted by Bob Kane, and it's only recently that Finger really began giving the credit that he was due. Uh, you you start seeing, like, oh, Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Really, it should be the other way around. Um, <laughs> but there's this one-page uh, comic uh, that Ty Templeton did uh, that you can find it online, just search for it, called uh, what if Bob Kane created Batman without Bill Finger? Um, and it's kind of comedic, but it shows, like, how little he really contributed to him. So if you want to know exactly how much Bill Finger did and how much Bob Kane didn't do, uh, go ahead and read that. Uh, it's honestly shocking how badly Finger got cheated after all the work he did to make Batman great.
0: Right. And, and and honestly, I mean, I, I don't want to harp on this because, you know, th- this issue has been talked about a lot, but uh, I... I'm particularly bent out of shape about Kane's excuse of, oh, well, we just didn't give them credit back then, and, oh, I didn't know that was wrong kind of a thing. Yeah, complete and absolute (laughs) nonsense.
1: I mean, (laughs) you know, it's like they they knew enough to give him credit, but you're not going to give credit to the writer who did
0: most of the work. Yeah, no, I'm calling nonsense on that. Right? So, uh... Batman actually drew on many influences uh for his for both uh the Batman ego and his alter ego Bruce Wayne. Uh there were characters like the Scarlet Pimpernel and Zorro who performed their heroic deeds in secret and averted suspicion by playing aloof in public. Uh drawing inspiration from pulp heroes like Doc Savage, The Shadow, Dick Tracy, Sherlock Holmes. Uh finger made the character a master sleuth.
1: Yeah, um, Batman was definitely built on the pulp archetype, and I would. But uh, and while all all that is true, I would say that Holmes, the Shadow, and Zorro are probably the biggest influences. Um, Zorro, particularly, is interesting because he gave Batman the whole foppish identity that was the basis of Bruce Wayne. Uh, so you know, Diego de la Vega would you know pretend to be a, a complete uh, a complete idiot, while uh, Zorro did all the work, and it, and it was much the same with Bruce Wayne. Um and uh, fun fact, uh The Mark of Zorro is the film that young Bruce Wayne sees right before his parents are killed in Crime Alley, and this is definitely a nod to Finger's created death to Zorro.
0: Yeah, um from what I looked up, actually um both uh Kane and Finger uh cited the Mark of Zorro as a particular inspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely uh, makes sense. Right. So uh Batman is not always uh, the guy that that we we came we, we know and love today. Uh, in the original Detective Comics, Batman was introduced as a gun wielding, ruthless vigilante who frequently killed or maimed criminals. Uh, but as time went on, you know he evolved into a character with a with a stringent moral code and a, and a strong sense of justice who would never use guns. Uh but that that of course uh didn't happen until after he got his own title in April of nineteen
1: forty. Yeah, I, I would say that the guns were probably a leftover from the shadow. Um he usually used twin pistols. Um he's very well known for that. Um, but but I don't have to say Batman to me is more interesting uh without them, uh as much as we were originally uh, part of the character. Uh and it kind of makes perfect sense to me in terms of character that it would have evolved away from that. Um, Bruce's parents were killed by gun violence so to me it makes sense that he would hate guns and prefer not to use them uh, they are the weapon of the enemy as Frank Miller said in Dark Knight Returns uh, so I get a little irritated when I see Batman like casually killing people in the movies or you know using guns without a good reason I mean he's not the Punisher that's just not who he is
0: that's true and and actually I've always kind of looked at uh, you know Batman has said this speech several times that the reason he won't kill is because it's such a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Once you cross that line, you can't come back from it. He's afraid he won't be able to just stop with, like, just the Joker or something like that. Uh, I, I, always, I always thought of uh, what Punisher is, what Batman would be if he did cross that line.
1: Yeah, more or less. Um, I would say definitely, and their origins are even very similar. They're both trying to avenge the deaths of their families. It's just that you know, Bruce tries to channel it a little more productively, and uh, Punisher just kills. Right.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't mind so much uh, the killing with the older Batman. I mean, young Bruce definitely wouldn't kill. He's still got that really close connection to his parents' death and everything. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess it, when, when you get to, like, an older Bruce, like we're seeing in, like, the DCEU, right— Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I can see that, you know, after decades of failure behind him, when it comes to cleaning up Gotham, I, I don't know, I, I, I can see him crossing that line eventually.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not what I prefer, but at the same time, I mean, we definitely have seen versions, uh, that have gone both ways. Uh, Dark Knight Returns Batman was a little less, uh, kill happy, but he was kind of, like, forced to at one point. Uh, I, I guess it kind of depends on what you want to see, and, like how you kind of see it working, but I mean, there are
0: definitely circumstances where he has to go. Right, right, or or even just uh, uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with this, but there are those that count. Like, for instance, in the in the Dark Knight Returns, when he he doesn't kill Joker, but he doesn't save him. Uh yeah, yeah, he does that in
1: Batman Begins as well.
0: Uh yeah. Uh, so, I mean. I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm kind of on the fence with it. I I, I can see it both ways. Um, but I mean, either way you look at it, uh, Batman is one of the most commercially successful superheroes uh, that has ever been. And his likeness has been licensed and featured in various media and merchandise sold all around the world. This includes toy lines such as Lego Batman and video games like the Batman Arkham series, which was awesome. Uh, Batman has also been adapted into live action and animated incarnations, including, uh, the earliest were, uh, two black and white, uh, serials that came out called Batman and Batman and Robin that came out in 1943 and 1949. Uh, in those cases, in Batman, it was, uh, Lewis Wilson playing Batman and, um, in Batman and Robin, it was Robert Lowry. Lowry, Sorry. Uh, Later, uh, this time in color, uh, this was, you know, a couple decades later, uh, Batman was played by Adam West in the late 1960s uh, Batman television series and in the Batman movie. Uh, This this incarnation known as Batman 66 was my first exposure to Batman other than Super Friends and both were rather campy but you know I thought that was just how Batman was I mean when as a kid watching that I I had no idea how uh, I don't know how crappy it actually was (laughs) Uh, I mean I liked Batman and I watched it and Super Friends all the time but I hadn't quite fallen in love with the character yet it was it was still it was still something I I was exploring.
1: Yeah, I was kind of in the same situation. Um, I, honestly, I don't remember very much from the 60s Batman. I mean, I do remember seeing the Campy Batman TV uh, series a little bit in syndication as a kid, but I never got into it mostly. Um, I think my first real introduction to him was uh, between Super Friends and the Scooby-Doo crossovers that he had with Mystery Incorporated. I don't know why that kind of stuck sticked out to me. Um, I'll also kind of add that I did play the Lego Batman games, and those are very, very good.
0: Really, mm-hmm. I I'm not I I can't seem to get I can't get into Batman as a funny character, mm. and so I can't I can't get into Lego Batman.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that it's quite as campy as uh, the TV show was, um, but it was more like kind of light humor. But they played the characters pretty well straight,
0: right? Right, so another couple of decades after we saw Batman sixty six in the in the Batman movie, uh, we see Michael Keaton take up the cowl in Tim Burton's Batman and Batman Returns in nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety two. Now, in nineteen eighty nine, I was thirteen, and thanks to the Batman film, uh, that was the year I went Batman and Joker crazy. I loved that movie more than anything I had seen before. It felt like something. Fi- it felt like someone finally took Batman seriously. Uh, I mean, I. To be fair, I hadn't read The Dark Knight Returns or any Batman comics at that point, so I didn't know how serious they were taking him in the comics. Um, but that was the year I started buying Batman comics. Uh, Jason Todd had just died. Uh, Batman was starting to go a little nuts, which I loved. Uh, I really like the darker take on Batman. It was a welcome refreshment after Adam West and Super Friends.
1: (laughs) That that is for sure. Uh, Batman 89 was the film that made me see more to Batman than the shows did. I, I don't think it's quite perfect, and it doesn't hold up as well now as it did. But, I mean, at the time it was huge. I mean, Batman 89 gave us a different Batman that was truer to the character was envisioned as, and I appreciated that. Um, I think I likewise read more Batman around this time. I know this is kind of when I started reading the Frank Miller stuff, so yeah,
0: it definitely had a huge impact. You know it it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold up well. Uh, Batman '89. I mean, with it was it was like groundbreaking, awesome. Everybody in the world seemed to go Batman crazy when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, have you watched it recently? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, actually, I did. Actually, I
1: did. I, I was kind of like surprised by uh, how much it still occasionally goes a little bit into humor. Um, it was. It was. I would. I remembered it being more serious, and it really wasn't. Then, which I found was
0: really interesting. Right. Right. Uh, but I mean, I think part of it had to be was just. Dis- Back in the in the eighties and and, and uh, early nineties, we didn't have a lot of comic book movies uh, or TV shows. Uh, so when one came out, it didn't really matter how crappy it was uh, or 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 you know how great it was. We just thought it was awesome because it was comic books on screen.
1: <laughs> yeah, they had some really bad ones at the time. We still watch them. So
0: yeah. <laughs> right. So now we're getting into uh. Two of the two of the worst Batman performances uh, I I've ever seen, and what's weird about it is actually, honestly, like the two actors. Uh, but Val Kilmer would play Batman in Batman Forever in 1995, and then George Clooney in Batman and Robin in 1997. It Joel Schumacher quickly ruined the seriousness and the darkness of Batman that I came to love uh, by. I mean, he clearly went right back to the campy, ridiculous kind of kind of style. Um, it was all it, it was very light. That even even the aesthetics were different. Uh, I mean, I, I watched the films, but I mean, I was glad I still had my Batman in the comics. Uh, with as much as I love Clooney and Kilmer in all the other films I've ever seen them in, I hated their Batman.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that. Um... They, they were really terrible movies, although Batman and Robin at least has the has the virtue of being so bad that you can laugh at it. But that's not how you want to see Batman. Um, with Kilmer, I, I like him in a lot of films. I mean, Real Genius is a favorite of mine, and Tombstone was amazing. Um, but here he was completely wasted, and, and Clooney was even worse I mean he should have been a great Bruce Wayne. I mean he has absolutely the charisma and the charm to play Bruce Wayne and he just did. it just completely was ridiculous. And as a Dick Grayson fan, I hated Chris O'Donnell as as, uh-huh. as Robin. Couldn't stand it. Oh man, I I think Schumacher was a bit like uh, Richard Lester was in the case of the Superman movies. You know, he came in and he didn't take the character seriously like Burton did. in it shows. And, and the result was he very nearly ruined the franchise and God, uh, thank God for Nolan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, damn, uh, that I, I honestly didn't think there was, there was going to be a coming back, uh, to batman after that so i mean you said it very well thank god for nolan uh christian bale in the dark knight trilogy from 2005 to 2012 now this is what i wanted uh campy and comedy do not go with batman uh no there there is no ifs ands or buts for that for me uh and christopher nolan clearly agreed His Batman was grounded in realism and darkness, and Christian Bale nailed it as both Batman and Bruce. Uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight will go down as two of the best Batman films of all time. Uh, My only complaint about the trilogy is The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, It's like they just can't get Bane right in movies. Uh, I hated Bane's voice and, and his look. Uh, I, I but it wasn't it wasn't just it wasn't just Bane. Uh, it was Batman's story that bugged me. Uh, in the first film, you know he's just starting out. You know he can fight, but he's not Batman yet, right? In In the Dark Knight. Uh, we get, we get to see him advance a little, like, with technological stuff and, and, you know, like, wait, he's got his, he's got his cool little hideout now and all that, but we don't get to see him really advance into that badass, uh, fighter that, that we know that he can be. Uh, so I was really let down when the third film finally came around and what we get is an old broken down Batman.
1: Um, I would say I'm mostly up there with you, um. For me, Bale is my favorite live-action version of Batman. I just think he absolutely embodies Bruce Wayne uh, on screen better than anybody we've seen. Um, And he generally handled uh, the Batman side pretty well, I mean, (laughs) even though people make fun of the voice. Um, I I think that Nolan generally understood Batman the best of the directors that we've seen so far. Uh, That may change with Reeves' Batman, and we'll see. Uh, But I would say that Nolan really, really grasped exactly what Batman was, at least in the first two films. Um, like you, I have a couple of issues. Um, as a fan of Ra's al Ghul, like he's one of my, he's my favorite Batman villain. Um, I wish that he'd been a little bit more true to Denny O'Neill's version instead of this whole, oh yeah, we're going to wipe out crime. No, 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 that's not Ra's al Ghul. He's an eco terrorist. Please don't do that. Um, I, I, I agree with you on Bane as well. His his voice was absolutely laughable in addition to the other things that you mentioned. Um, and, and Dark Knight Rises, to me, is generally the weakest of the three films. The one thing that I do like about it, though, is that, is that I like Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. But yeah, otherwise, I, I'm kind of with you. But overall, there's a lot there to love. And I, I would even take like Dark Knight Rises over anything Schumacher did. Um, these these movies are the, are the ones that, for me, I always go back to when I want uh, some live-action Batman.
0: Oh man, I would eat a bowl of crap rather than watch another Schumacher film. (laughs) (laughs) Don't blame you. Uh, uh, So, I gotta say, my personal favorite uh, when it comes to Batman's, and again this goes back to getting the really badass intimidating Batman, uh, is Ben Affleck uh, in the DCEU. Uh, He's done that from 2016 to present. Um, I mean, Robert Pattison is going to play him, uh, in 2022. We don't know how that's going to turn out. Although, um, I gotta say, I I watched the Twilight series because my daughter loves the books and I can't see that guy playing Batman, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out, I guess uh but Batfleck is so my batman uh he's dark he's badass he's brooding and he has that he has the best bat suit in my opinion they finally quit with all of the all of the crap and just gave him the the gray and black suit which which is what i really love uh what's more uh i like that he can be all that uh badass and awesomeness and still pull off the, the playboy Bruce Wayne where, uh, you know, he can, he can still act like a little bit of a, you know, like, like in Batman versus Superman. Um, when, uh, you know, he gets caught uh, trying to hook up that thing uh, to Lex Luthor's uh, drive or whatever, and uh, he gets caught. He totally just pretends like he's just like a lost drunk guy, and he actually plays it off rather well. Uh, but it's 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 that, that ability to play both roles like that is a big part of why I love Batman versus Superman so much.
1: Yeah, uh, as far as uh, Pattinson is concerned, um, I agree with you on Twilight. Uh, the thing is, is that he has gotten better since then, a lot better since then. Um, I would say that what I saw in the movie Tenet, uh, another uh, Christopher Nolan film, uh, shows uh, Pattinson, I think, a lot more mature and and with a much better performance. Uh, the Twilight movies are horrible. Um but I, I will say, as far as Batfleck goes, um, he's just to me—he's all right. Like I don't love him, I don't hate him. He's just all right. Um, I, I get where you're coming from, though. Um, I think part of it is I just came in resistant to his Batman uh, because uh, I'd seen his stuff previously and I just had a bit um, to get over with him. But I mean, it was Daredevil, right? Yeah, it was Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he should have been a great Matt Murdock, and it just. Eh. Um, but I will say he has grown over uh, on me over time in that role. Um, I, I just think of the thing is I just don't connect to him and I don't have really strong feelings either way, but I see where you're coming from. Um, he does have his moments, though. Um, I, I thought that the warehouse scene in Batman versus Superman was very good as much as there was stuff I didn't like in that movie. And, and and I have to say, he was fine in the Snyder Cut. I mean, he got a lot of good material to work with there, and and, and I think he made the most of it.
0: I, uh, I, I particularly like that... Uh... Ben Affleck got super buff. I mean, that dude is like massive for those movies. Uh, and I mean, honestly, when it comes to a serious, intimidating, uh, Batman, uh, Affleck seems like, uh, the first one that, like, I would genuinely be scared of if I saw. Mm. Yeah, he does have the presence, no question. Right, right. Um, so, uh, It wasn't just live action, as we mentioned, there was also some animated uh, uh, people who played uh, Batman. Uh, Kevin Conroy, of course, is the one that everybody knows. Uh, Jason O'Mara, uh, Peter Weller, and Will Arnett, among others, have provided the character's voice. Um, For a while, uh, Conroy was the standard for Batman's voice, especially after Batman the animated series. Uh, But I came to appreciate Jason O'Mara's version and the DCAU films better. Uh, It was harder, tougher, uh, maybe even a little angry. And I mean, when you could talk about the the Dark Knight Returns movies, uh, I wouldn't have guessed it uh, out of the gate. But I loved Weller as Batman in the Dark Knight Returns. He was the perfect voice for that character. I, I still need
1: to see that, but uh, I would say Rise Up Right Now, Conroy, to me, is still the man when it comes to Batman. Um, he, the thing with him is that he does a really great Bruce and a great Batman, and that is a difficult trick to do. Not many actors have been able to do it. Certainly none of the live actors have gotten it exactly right for me. Um, but th- there, And I will say, as one example, there is a video online where Kevin Conroy reads the end scene of The Dark Knight, um, dubbed over uh, Christian Bale. And Conroy is so much better than Bale as Batman. It's not even funny. And I say this as a fan of Bale, okay? Uh, the other actors, uh, from what I have heard, are, are perfectly fine. But, you know, it's kind of hard to get uh, Conroy out of my head. Uh, to me, he's the gold standard. What do you What do you think about Jason Namara? Um, I, ha- I, I, I think he's fine from what I've heard. I haven't uh, seen enough of his stuff to really give a strong opinion, though.
0: Ah. Uh, well... Um, <sighs> little, little, little backup story here for this. Um, uh, I, I, uh, I collected comics as a kid and, uh, sometime, uh, around 1994, uh, my dad decided that I liked comic books too much and that I needed to sell them and give the money to his church. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I don't know, I felt rather defeated with the whole thing, and I, I kind of took a long hiatus uh, starting in 1994 from comics. I, I didn't come back again till around 2005. Um, but when I did, with Batman, I went all the way back and bought Grant, Grant Morrison's entire run on Batman, uh, leading all the way through his supposed death in Final Crisis. Uh, But there was so much history I knew nothing about. Uh, It felt like it would be an eternity before I got caught up. They were always making references to this happening or that happening, and I I didn't get it. And as a completist, I hate that. (laughs) Uh, That's why when Flashpoint came and created the New 52, I jumped in headfirst. I was finally going to get in on the ground floor. There wouldn't be all these references I wouldn't get or things I didn't understand. Uh, many people complained about the New 52 for the very reason that I liked it so much. Uh, but I still think stories like the Court of Owls trilogy, the Death of the Family, uh, Z- in Zero Year, some of the best ever written. In fact, in my opinion, uh, there were many fantastic stories in all of the myriad of Batman titles in the New 52, like Batman and Robin, uh, Batman Incorporated, Detective Comics, Batman Turtle, Batman and Robin Turtle, and Batman Superman. Uh I gotta say of of all of the other ones beside the main Batman title by Snyder there, I really loved Peter Tomasi's run on Batman and Robin. Uh it, it was it was flat out legendary. Um Batman Eternal was also pretty good.
1: I would say, well, I'm less crazy about the list, the new fifty-two in general, and mostly I was just okay with Batman at that time. I mean, it wasn't something that turned me off actively. Uh there were some standout things from that period that I do come away with. Ah, uh, the first Court of Owls story was r- quite good, and 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 I'm coming to did this with a problem connecting with Scott Snyder's work as a whole. I don't know why. Uh, so for me, that's high praise. Um, and I did like his earlier Gates of Gotham stuff with uh, with Dick Grayson as Batman. So there are a couple of things I like from him, but overall, I, I just have a problem connecting to him. Peter Tomasi, um, I is a writer I really think is generally undervalued at DC, and I like his Batman stuff quite a bit of what I've read. Um, his his recent Detective Comics run um, before uh, Infinite Frontier uh, was really cool stuff in the vein of uh, Batman and the animated series, and I also will recommend Tomasi's Nightwind run that ended the first series
0: on that book. It was awesome. You're talking about uh, I, I didn't know this. Uh, you're saying Tomasi finished that run started by Dixon? Yes, that one is the one. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. It got into the hundreds, and there was
1: a. A a whole story um, that he kind of leaned into towards the end where there's a big climactic battle with Two-Face. It's just really, really excellent.
0: Nice, nice. I, uh, I fell in love with Tomasi with his Green Lantern Corps stuff. And his run on Batman and Robin just cemented me as a fan. The first 20 issues or so of Batman and Robin are my favorite. And I love the character, Nobody.
1: Yeah, uh, Tomasi's Green Lantern stuff was was pretty good. Um, I read it, like, on and off, but I I read it uh, sporadically for the most part. I will say that anything he does with Damian Wayne, though, is gold. Um, His Super Sons is amazing. Um, Damian's guest appearances in Rebirth Superman are also really good. Just about anything with Damian and John Kent is really great. Um, But I think my own journey into Batman comics uh, started uh, with uh, Batman the Animated Series in the 90s. Um, and that got me uh, starting to read some DC with the death of Superman. And then I heard about Nightfall. And then I got curious about it. And then it, it was just really it, it so amazing and got me into into Batman. Because you have this guy, Bane, and he just walks into Wayne Manor. He defeats Batman, and then he snaps his back like a twig. Um, he was just this beast of a villain. And he was somebody who could ruin Bruce's day physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, and we never saw that before. I mean, this was just an amazing story. And 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 they did something completely unprecedented, and you got to respect Nightfall for that.
0: Oh, Night Nightfall was awesome. Um, Nightfall was the last Batman story I was reading before my hiatus, and I agree it was it was unlike anything I had read before. Uh, For a time, Bane replaced Joker for me as the ultimate Batman villain. Uh, I think that's why I hated the version Schumacher gave us in Batman and Robin so much. It was an insult, to say the least, and showed no respect for the character. I I
1: would say Bane, for me, is like my second favorite Batman villain after Ra's al Ghul. Um, And I don't know why, but it just seems like nobody ever gets Bane quite right, I agree. Um, And it's true, Uh, Bane uh, completely sucked in Batman and Robin, and he wasn't even that great in Batman the Animated Series, which really disappointed me um dark knight Riders was a little bit better i mean at the least um he was written a little bit more intelligently and tom hardy was good casting but that voice made him sound completely cartoonish um and they and they changed various things that i think kind of diminished him a little bit um it just seems like in in most portrayals outside of the comics he gets reduced to a dumb brute. when bane is one of batman's smartest enemies and and a guy who can go toe-to-toe with him
0: mentally for sure, for sure. I think uh, one of the things that Bane has over uh, Batman's uh, other, other rogues uh, is his strategic mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Bane is just as good a tactician as Batman. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, and we saw that in Nightfall. So you can kind of see how Nightfall got me into the batman only books at that time. Um, especially the uh, Chuck Dixon books like uh, Nightwing, Birds of Prey, and then the Tim Drake Robin series, um, and and my interest kind of expanded um, after that with uh, the Cassandra Cain Batgirl series by Kelly Puckett and Damian Scott, uh, really great stuff. Um, I, and and I will say later on in terms of Bat Family members, I've really grown to love Damian, um, even though that was a lot later uh, with Morrison. I I don't know why though, but I just to me Batman I like better as the father of the Bat Family and and he's just this guy filling the void in his life from the death of his parents by adopting and training all these other people. I, I just prefer that to me, to the
0: brooding loner that we see most of the time in the films. Right, right. That that got me into the Bat Family titles as well. Um, but I, I had already been, uh, a, as you know, after, after Jason Todd died in the Death of the Family, uh, we, that's that was. It wasn't long after that that we got that uh, Robin series with Tim Drake. That was awesome. Yeah, really, really great stuff
1: uh, by Dixon, especially. Um, and and beyond that, I would say I've gone back and read quite a bit of the older stuff over the years. Um, I haven't gone like way way back, but I, I can talk about some of the general eras that I've really that I've read and really enjoyed. Um, in, in the seventies, um, they, there was some really really great stuff, and uh, you have to really thank Denny O'Neill for this. Um, I started reading this period uh, because Ra's Al Ghul is my favorite DC villain, and I wanted to read the uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams stuff uh, that that kind of inspired it. Um, so, I, but I think that the the Batman animated series episode, uh, the the Demon's Quest, uh, refined Denny's work in the comics, but the original Ra's comics are still really great, and I love uh, Talia better a little bit more in the books. Um, and I would also recommend the uh, Steve Englehart run on Detective Comics, and that's been collected a couple of times, uh, both in the Marshall Rogers collection and a Steve Englehart collection. Um, Englehart's work on Hugo Strange and on Deadshot is really, really great. And for my money, um, he, ra- he writes my favorite uh, pre-Mark Wolfman version of Dick Grayson. Just really, really good stuff. Um, and, and then we can like look a little bit more at the 80s stuff, which uh, I went back and read. Um, obviously the Frank Miller books are, are the standout there, and they're essential. Um, I prefer uh, year one to Dark Knight uh, Returns personally. Um, I think it's more timeless. I think it holds up better. Um, Dark Knight Rises really is or Dark Knight Returns rather. has not aged um, maybe as well as it could have. Um, and And Jim Starlin's uh, Death in the Family, I would say is iconic as well, uh, even though <laughs> uh, Jason's death uh, was prematurely reported, shall we say, uh, and he came back later. Um, I also am a, am a real fan of Lonely Place of Dying uh, by Mark Wolfman, which is when uh, uh, Tim Drake first shows up. That's his debut, and it shows uh, why Robin is important to Batman, why Batman needs a Robin, and, and it's really, really good stuff. And Tim uh, Two Faces in it as well.
0: Right, I I, I really appreciated that. Um, I, I I remember um, the whole thing of. Uh, uh, Robin is is the anchor for Batman. Yeah. Um, without him, the storm will pull him out. Uh, very, uh, very, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm also with you about year one. Uh, it took Batman to his pulp roots, and imagining that's how Batman started out actually make me, made me like The Dark Knight Returns a little bit more. You know, you, you commented that uh, The Dark Knight Returns doesn't quite hold up as well as, as it maybe could have. And I think at least part of that is, is while it was supposed to take place in the future, it was clearly rooted in the 80s.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's definitely, definitely very much in the Reagan era. I mean, Reagan even shows up in it. It was completely political commentary, right? Right. Uh, Starlin's uh, "Death in the Family" was one of the first Batman stories I read, uh, mostly because I went down to my comic book shop, and I'm like, "I, I, I need to, uh, I need to read all I can about Batman. What's the oldest stuff you got?" And "Death in the uh, Death in the Family" was the oldest. Uh, Batman book that my local comic book shop had, Uh, but it it threw me for a loop. I I was not ready for the brutality of it. I I didn't expect that from comics. Uh, It also it also cemented my love for the Joker. I gotta say,
1: yeah, I'm not so much of a fan of the Joker, but that definitely is one of his most iconic moments. That in the Killing Joke, Um, Starling did not pull punches with that story. He generally doesn't in general, but. Uh, with that one, he certainly was brutal, especially with the crowbar beating ouch um
0: did, did you ever did did you did this ever occur to you because it didn't occur to me until years later uh, Jason Todd died, mm-hmm. and then literally just a couple of years later, uh Barbara Gordon got shot, yeah, they
1: were up in the Andy for sure with that I, I didn't remember exactly the context of when it all happened, but yeah, and, 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 and they, it keeps coming back. They keep bringing that, that whole element back. So, yeah. Um, but it was nice to see that they, they did eventually move on. Um, uh, I think we could talk a little bit about the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, the, uh, the post crisis stuff uh, up to Flashpoint. Um, we've already talked about Nightfall and, and the Bat Family and, and all that. But uh, beyond that, I, I, I think uh, we can't omit uh, Jeff Loeb and uh, Tim Sales' work uh, on Long Halloween. Um, or Loeb's stuff um, with Jim Lee on Hush. Um, they're both very, very memorable stories. Uh, we've discussed them on, on previous pods and like what didn't work for us, but I think um, they're, they're iconic stories for a reason. Um, beyond that, I would say the Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka period on Batman and Detective Comics were pretty solid. Uh, they built their respective careers. I mean, if you want to know where they got started, th- those runs were where they got started. Um, and I would also say, uh, read anything by Darwin Cook. Um, Batman Ego um, is, is a short one and it's pretty good. And his uh, Catwoman arc uh, with Ed Brubaker are excellent. And in fact, I would recommend Brubaker's Catwoman run in general, that's awesome. Um, I also really love uh, Morrison's run, uh, where he tried to really make Batman a complete character and tried to say, oh, all of it is true, uh, which is one of the things that, that I really like about him. Uh, but I would say the standout stories for me were the Club of Heroes arc uh, with J.H. Williams. I mean, it's hauntingly beautiful storytelling, uh, and it's drawn really, really well. Um, and, and I'm also a huge fan of Morrison's Batman and Robin with Dick and Damien. Um, I just love the dynamic between those two. And it was just uh, the idea of a lighter Batman and a darker Robin was genius to me. Um, and it's my some of my favorite stuff with both characters. Um, and then beyond that, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Rebirth. Um, this is kind of when they try to go back to basics after the New 52. Um, I, I find Rebirth Batman of a bit of a mixed bag, but there's some really good stuff in it. Um, I thought that the emphasis on Batwoman, Batman and Catwoman's relationship early on was pretty good, at least until the aborted wedding. <laughs> what were you doing? Um, Tom King, for me, tends to be a pretty hit or miss writer, but his hits are really amazing. Um, I Am Bane is awesome. Like one of the that, that brought Bane back for a long time, um, at, for for a while, and it led to Bane Conquest, which was really good. And then the double date issue with Clark and Lois, um, as well as a a Catwoman Tali, a story that he did a little bit later, or High Points. And um, the the detective comics at the time was pretty consistent with James Tinian, and then later with uh, Brian Hill and uh, Peter Tomasi's run. Very, very good stuff. Um, Which leads us to Infinite Frontier and the recent stuff. Um, Tinian has definitely become the driving force on the Bat books. Um, His stuff there has been pretty solid from what I've seen so far. Uh, the Bat Family books are in pretty decent shape. Um, Nightwing by Tom Taylor uh, and Bruce Redondo. And then Robin by Josh Williamson and Gleb Melnikov are both really, really great. Uh, read those. Um, and the Batman anthologies are really good. Um, I really like Urban Legends because Chip Zdarsky actually made me like Jason Todd, which I didn't think was even possible. Um, and Black and White is also pretty solid.
0: Yeah, um, I got to I gotta say I, I really like Jason Todd. Um... He's he's one of my favorites. Um, I, I really got into the uh, under the hood story there. That was really awesome for me. But, uh, yeah. uh,
1: no, oh, no I was just no, I was just going to say that um, the thing with Zdarsky that I think kind of added to it is is that you got to see that he's not always a jerk, and you get to see like how his past really kind of informs who he is. Um, and I think that that was the piece that he needed. But yeah, I like the idea of Jason Todd. It's just that nobody seemed to write him that well from what I read.
0: I, I, I can understand that, I guess. Um, I, I, I particularly liked the. What did you think of the uh, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws title?
1: Um, I read a little bit of it. I thought it was pretty interesting. I like the idea of like a, an anti-heroic version of the Justice League, and it seemed like that's what they were building to. Um, I like the the I like the the Jason Artemis thing. I thought that that relationship looked quite interesting, and uh, using Bizarro as as like the Superman analog really worked.
0: Right, right. Uh, I I really liked uh, that they went back and uh, uh, they gave. Uh, jason like a crap ton of training where like he had actually been trained more than any of the other robins before him he probably needed it more yeah (laughs) at least just to get rid of the attitude and nothing else right yeah um so thanks for hanging out with us and talking Batman. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we welcome you to leave a comment. We'd love to discuss this with you further. Further. Um, so until then, uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thank you for listening to the Omen Comics podcast. This has been Steve Sellers and Michael
1: Nunnally here with Omen Comics, and uh, we encourage you to look into all our Omenverse titles, wherever they might be sold, including Comixology, Amazon, Uh, draw me in comics and elsewhere Uh, if you like our content please like subscribe hit the magic bell for
0: notifications and until next time we'll see you in the omenverse i hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on orp i know that steve and i have had fun making this episode if you've had fun too we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out
1: for our spotify listeners we ask you to please rate our show as well that can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.